Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Charlotte Bastianza, Associate Editor. Hi, and welcome back to another VitaFoods Insights podcast. I'm Charlotte Bastianza, Associate Editor at VitaFoods, and I'm joined today by Richard Day, who's the Head of Medical Affairs, Health and Wellness at ADM, which is a multinational food processing company that offers a depth of solutions around agriculture and nutrition. Thanks for joining me, Richard. Hello, Charlie. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Of course. Um, Richard, now ADM has been um, quite active in conducting its own research around key consumer behavior changes. And um, in this podcast, we're going to talk a bit more about um, weight management and metabolic health. But before we dive into all of that, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at ADM. Of course. Uh, So I'm Richard, as you said, Richard Day, and I head up the medical affairs team for ADM Health and Wellness. Now, the medical affairs team is responsible for the creation of the clinical trial evidence that supports our product portfolio and also really it it sets the the scientific direction for the health and wellness business for the coming years. Now we work across a, a full range of diagnoses and but specifically we do a lot of research into the microbiome and the microbiome is a very exciting part of clinical and medical and physiological research. And this is the, the discipline that looks at all of the microorganisms that are within a specific ecological niche. So often we're talking about the gastrointestinal microbiome and we're understanding how the constituent parts of the microbiome can have effects on health outcomes throughout the body. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for that overview and really interesting to hear about, you know, the focus that goes into the microbiome. I think certainly um, with COVID, there's been a heightened interest in this in this connection between the gut and overall immunity. So I know we're going to get into that um, shortly. So as I mentioned, ADM has been conducting a lot of its own research around these key changes in consumer behavior and, and really what that means for, for developers. There were certainly some categories that were already quite prominent before COVID happened and others that have sort of re-emerged. What I'd really like to know from your side, Richard, now is how has the outbreak of COVID affected consumer behavior when it comes to food and nutrition? Uh, well, I think, Charlie, that's a, a difficult question to answer, especially as we're we're in really an evolving situation with, with COVID-19. But a, a few things have become clear. And one of the effects of the pandemic is that consumers' priorities and behaviours are undergoing some, some major shifts. People seem to be increasingly concerned, understandably, about their physical health, but also about their mental health. And this presents some interesting opportunities or challenges for scientists and researchers in the nutrition, food and beverage space. And particularly if we're thinking that the effects of the pandemic may well last for some time. Now, ADM conducts some market research through ADM's outside voice. And 
I guess unsurprisingly, this is showing that a, a huge majority, up to three quarters of consumers, are intending to make more healthy attempts in the near future. Right. Um, Richard, can you tell me a bit more about this research that ADM has undertaken? What are the key trends that you have seen develop during the outbreak? I know you mentioned um, mental health, which was obviously quite an understandable one, knowing that we're going into further global restrictions and lockdowns, certainly here in the UK. We're about to, we're, we are in our second national lockdown, so that problem really isn't going away. What other research has ADM sort of undertaken and, and noted? Uh, so I, I think here it's probably important to distinguish the different types of research. Uh, so my, my department normally works on clinical research, but here obviously we're talking about market research. Mm-hmm. And uh, so ADM has, has conducted some market research here that's shown that there are six real ways in which this shift in consumer behaviour is manifesting. Number one, there's an increased spending on health and wellness. Mm. Number two, plant-based is moving much further into the mainstream. Number three, there's an increased demand for precision nutrition. And then there are some interesting trends along the microbiome, which is obviously what what I'm interested in. And there there are three further major trends for the microbiome. Now, the first is that we're witnessing a growing focus on immune health, and in particular on the connection between gut health and immune function. So globally, over 50% of consumers report being concerned about their immunity as a result of COVID-19. And I I guess this isn't really surprising. But research into the links between gut health and immunity has been going on for some time. And what we're now seeing is that consumers are becoming much more knowledgeable about the role of the microbiome in supporting their overall well-being, but also their immunity. So that's theme one relating to the microbiome. Theme two relating to the microbiome is that the pandemic has also seen consumers using nutrition to support their mental well-being. Obviously, COVID-19 has increased feelings of stress and anxiety, and over a third of consumers report being concerned about their mental health. What's really fascinating is that there are a number of clinical trials happening right now, and some that have been published in the recent past, which look at the role of the microbiome in both anxiety and depression. And the microbiome as a mediator of mental health is absolutely something to look out for in the near future. So that's two different microbiome themes. And then there's a third microbiome theme. And this is related to metabolic health and to Mm. a lesser extent, weight management. So we know from a lot of the epidemiological studies relating to COVID-19 that individuals with certain pre-existing diagnoses are at a greater risk of developing and more severe complications related to COVID-19. Now, these underlying risk factors include hypertension, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease, to name but a few, which are all part of metabolic health. So all in all, taken as a whole, the result is that consumers are viewing metabolic health and also to a lesser extent weight management in in a new light 
when it's uh, viewed through the prism of COVID-19. Richard, thanks for that overview, and I certainly appreciate the further scientific insights that ADM is contributing to understanding the gut and how interconnected it really is to these key areas of cognitive health, immunity and metabolic health. I'm interested now in unpacking the metabolic health market as this wasn't as front and center health category as it is now, but obviously in this pandemic year and as consumers have adjusted to homebound living and having to adhere to various restrictions, some consumers have seen a healthy diet go out of the window and others have really battled to fit in adequate exercise, whereas some consumers have been very proactive with maintaining their health and levels of activity where they can. Um, but there could be further instances of additional lockdowns. I mean, here in the UK, we're already in our second national lockdown as the government tries to control rising case numbers. So this may continue to be an area of interest. Um, but Richard, starting at the beginning, can you help us with firstly understanding what it is we mean by metabolic health? Yeah, of course, uh, that's a, a good question. And it's not actually the easiest one to answer because maybe slightly unhelpfully, we don't have uh, one unifying internationally agreed definition of metabolic health. But Always helpful, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it, it is though generally accepted accepted to include a number of elements, including optimal blood pressure management, good glucose homeostasis, optimal weight management, and also an element related to serum lipids. So we often talk about cholesterol, but then there's also a, another group of molecules here called the triglycerides. And these are the, the main constituent parts of good metabolic health. But the real well, not the really important aspect actually is, is why these are important. And that's because abnormalities in any of these measures can increase the risk of developing cardiovascular disease. And for all the changes that are going on in 2020, cardiovascular disease remains one of the leading causes of mortality worldwide. Now, it's not particularly easy to measure metabolic health in populations, but there have been a number of studies that have shown that syndrome, so that's uh, an abnormality in some of these measurements that I was just talking about. It's These studies have shown that metabolic syndrome will closely reflect rates of obesity. And if we look at rates of obesity at the moment, there are approximately 650 million people worldwide with obesity. So if we take that as a proxy measure, well, then we really do understand the, the scale of the challenge for addressing metabolic health globally. Yeah, um, Richard, some of those keywords that kind of stood out to me, you know, blood pressure management, weight management, cholesterol, um, all of that leading in some cases to cardiovascular disease. I think those are conditions that people associate with um, conditions that only affect us a bit later in life. But as we know, the younger generations are far more proactive with tackling their health through prevention. I think that's a key word that all developers are sort of looking at. So with that in mind, what does the market for metabolic health look like? And has this always been a concern to consumers or is this something that mostly aging consumers have been conscious of? I mean, do you agree that younger consumers are starting to become a little bit more proactive with tackling that through prevention? I, I think that's a really good observation. And uh, I, I 
would say that definitely the the emergence of preventative strategies are going to be so much more important in years to come. If we look at the way medicine has changed and evolved in recent decades, we're moving from a reactive paradigm of delivering medical care to a mm. proactive one. And if consumers can also change from that reactive to a proactive paradigm of health and well-being, then that can only be of benefit, both at an individual level and also at a societal level. I suppose just returning to your, your the second part of your question, though, which was about um, how the, the metabolic health market looks like or how it maybe is changing, mm -hmm. uh, the most recent figures that I'm aware of date back a couple of years, but in 2018, we saw that global sales for weight loss products, and remember, obesity is a very good proxy for metabolic health. Yeah. Well, the global sales for weight loss products were over 100 billion US dollars in 2018. So that really does show the size of the market. And I guess, coming back to your other point, it shows how individuals are taking a more proactive approach to managing aspects of health and well-being. I think if we start to think about how metabolic health and attitudes towards metabolic health have shifted in 2020, well then we we start to see uh, a number of a number of changes and I'd probably like to break it down geographically actually. Yeah. So um, if we if we think about the US market first, now Consumers there have been starting to adopt a maybe a, a more sustainable approach to weight management. And a lot of this has revolved around exercise. Now, ADM's research shows that this has been continuing during the pandemic. And over half of US consumers are stating that they are going to exercise more in the next six months than they have in the previous six. If we contrast that, though, with the Asia-Pacific evidence, well, there we see that there's been a steady rise in traditional weight loss products. This is uh, maybe not mirrored, but it's similar in Europe as well. And Europe is actually the second biggest market for new product launches featuring slibbing in the title. So I think these insights show that different markets are approaching metabolic health in slightly different ways. In the US, the emphasis is moving away from dieting to include more exercise. But then in Asia Pacific and Europe, there's a maybe a, a, a more uh, a slimming centric approach in those markets. Richard, that's really interesting information. And thank you for sharing your observations across those different regions. And um, as much as, you know, as you highlighted, those different regions are concentrating on different things. I think they're they're all working towards the same goal, which is to drive healthy living, be mindful of weight management, you know, combat obesity, be more active. So those are really interesting to, to hear across the US, APAC and Europe. So thanks for sharing that. The next thing I sort of want to talk about is, I guess, how COVID-19 has adjusted the life lifestyles and sort of shifted the priorities of the consumers and consequently what the market has shaped up to look like. So in your view, how is the market changing as a result of the outbreak? So, I mean, I think that COVID-19 is shining 
light on what good metabolic health really means. And there's an increased focus on these specific areas of concern in because the, the consequences are, are becoming more real and tangible. And so as consumers become more concerned about their overall health and wellness as a result of the pandemic, I think people are likely to start to take action to address elements of their health that they feel may put them at increased risk. Mm. And then there's an opportunity for education and then also innovation in this space to reflect this broader understanding of, of metabolic health and how consumers can make those proactive choices to really help manage their metabolic health and also then have those real tangible endpoints related to, well, to COVID-19, basically. Yeah. And Richard, can you talk me through the link to good metabolic health and COVID-19? Well, uh, as I said before, this is a, an evolving situation and the evidence base here is growing week by week. And you have to remember there were there were no scientific papers published on COVID-19 before yeah. this year. And now we have a, a, a whole plethora of them coming out every every month. But there is a consistent message from the epidemiology studies that relate to COVID-19. And that is that a number of diagnoses are associated with worse outcomes. Now, I mentioned before a few of these and the, the consistent messages around cardiovascular disease, metabolic health and also pre-existing respiratory diagnoses. But this this is by no means an exhaustive list. That's just to name a few. Mm. Now, Many people are now striving hard to achieve their health goals and they're undertaking their own research into nutrition and also all other aspects of uh, health and wellness. For example, in my field of the microbiome, consumers are already familiar with terms like probiotic, but what we've seen over the last few years is a steady increase in web traffic around microbiome search terms. And now there are signs that consumers are expanding their understanding and searches for terms like prebiotic and postbiotic really took off in recent years. And particularly in 2020, there's been a very sharp uptick. Now, the emphasis is no longer just on weight management, but also addressing risk factors for conditions like diabetes and cardiovascular health. And there's a shift in the way consumers are, are thinking about metabolic health. So alongside this growing awareness of the microbiome, this can offer nutrition brands real opportunities in order to differentiate themselves in this marketplace. Richard, thanks. That's really great insight and, and interesting to hear the evolution of the different kind of keywords that that's certainly reflect what consumers are proactively looking to tackle. Um, 2020 has certainly been a very different year for everybody. I think if we reflect back to this time last year, everyone had very different priorities for what they were sort of going to look and concentrate on in 2020. And we certainly have a very different outlook going into 2021. But I think certainly there's a lot of opportunity and potential to drive new solutions, especially the ones that are backed by science and research. 
Um, so, Richard, just before we kind of close off, I'd love to hear a little bit about ADM's perspective. Can you tell me a little bit about ADM's response to this growing interest in metabolic health? What sort of emerging solutions or research are you focusing on? Uh, yeah, well, thank you for letting me talk about this, because this is where it gets quite exciting for <laughs> ADM and for me and my team. So we're currently working on a, a number of products to projects rather to further our understanding of the microbiome in metabolic health. Now, we have a, a particular probiotic strain. It's a bifidobacterium lactis, which is uh, called BPL1. And this is a particularly exciting strain, as this is one that targets metabolic health. And also we have evidence here that it's useful in weight management. Now, we have a, a whole range of preclinical research, which helps us to characterize the different properties of our strains. And we carried out a, a lot of this preclinical research on, on BPL1 before we then go into clinical research. And in clinical research, we've seen that, that BPL1 can be effective to reduce abdominal visceral fat. It can also help reduce waist circumference. And we also have other measures of metabolic health where we, we've seen positive results for BPL1. But what's really exciting is that our clinical trial evidence is in two different forms of BPL1. So we have the live probiotic version of BPL1, and we also have a heat-treated version, which is referred to as a postbiotic. And what we've seen is that there, there are interesting metabolic health effects for both the live and the heat-treated version. And I guess the reason that the heat-treated version is so exciting is because it's suitable for use in a wide variety of matrices, food and beverage applications that live probiotics are not suitable for. So previously, it's, it's been quite challenging to fortify foods and beverages with products or with live probiotics, apart from maybe spore-forming bacterias. But now, with heat-treated postbiotics, a whole new plethora of matrices and food and beverage products is, is open for fortification with these microbiome modulating solutions. For example, BPO1 and heat-treated BPO1 uh, can now be used uh, across areas like sports nutrition, uh, as well as in ranges of dairy, fermented milks and, and yogurts as well. That's really exciting, Richard. I'm really keen to keep an eye on how your new strain develops and all of the new clinical research that will emerge that's looking to target this weight management and metabolic health concerns. You did mention that this heat-treated postbiotic is quite exciting because we can really see that come to life um, in different markets. I think, you know, you mentioned sports nutrition is one of them and there's various formulation and applications there. How is ADM bringing this research to life for customers and consumers? How are we going to see this in the market in the future? Well, uh, and we've uh, alluded to this point before, but ADM is definitely seeking to differentiate ourselves on the, the depth and the breadth of the science that underpins our products. So I mentioned before, we have this extensive portfolio of preclinical studies to characterize BPL1. 
and also to understand the effectiveness of heat-treated BPL1. So I also mentioned we, we have this clinical trial, which we, we published uh, back in 2018, but we're currently in the advanced planning stages of our second and third human clinical trials for both live and heat-treated BPL1, and we're hoping that we'll start enrolling our first patients on these in the, in the next few months. Plus, all the time, we're also looking to better understand exactly how these microorganisms exert their effects on metabolic health. So I would advise you and anyone else that's interested to keep an eye out on the scientific literature, because in the near future, there's going to be a lot of research on BPL-1 and its effects on, on metabolic health. So please do look out for that. Richard, I have so enjoyed speaking to you on this topic of metabolic health and really understanding more about that market category and also hearing about all of the exciting research that ADM is working on. Um, that's sure to be one we can catch up on uh, when you're ready to share the results. So thank you for joining me again. It has really been such a pleasure having you on this podcast. Thank you for having me on your podcast, Charlie. It uh, was a pleasure talking to you and I'd be more than happy to come back and talk to you about our results when they're available. Great, thanks so much Richard.